We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. We are ready for the NFL season, Sean, but we could not hold off. We got the itch, we got back into another FFPC main event together. So we are drafting in that, but we're going to do something a little bit different here where we're going to kind of do our normal Rotoviz Overtime show and also draft in the FFPC main event for $2,000 buy-in. So just your average day here as we continue to close out draft season. We did get the 1012, which should make that process a little bit easier. So rather than talk pick by pick, we're going to do our picks, but we're going to kind of skip through all the other picks without much conversation. So it'll be a little bit different. But uh, Sean, ready for uh, ready for another draft here? I am ready for the draft, ready for week one. We've selected Saquon Barkley and Kyle Pitts. I don't think uh, longtime listeners are going to be too surprised by that one. We had the fantastic, well, fantastic if you were a Bills fan, right? The fantastic Thursday night opener. Even with the four turnovers, they absolutely annihilated the Rams. It does give a little bit of a peek, I think, into what would have happened if the Bills or Chiefs had come through and gotten into that Super Bowl. Obviously, I I say that as a biased Chiefs fan who wanted that to happen. I think it was a little bit lucky that the NFC has taken these last two Super Bowls. The power teams in the AFC right now really do seem like they are the best in football. McCollum, I know that you want to see your Green Bay Packers in this year's Super Bowl. They need to stop blowing it, and they're going to, because this year they have (laughs) Romeo Dobbs, right? And he will carry them along with Christian Watson and Alan Lazard to the promised land. They have those fantastic backs in Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, both going very, very early in fantasy just to kind of start out, we saw a little bit last night what can happen when you have an elite quarterback and multiple backs factoring in. We like Devin Singletary. He was pretty clearly the best of the Buffalo backs, and yet this offense really looked like it was going back to what in many cases wasn't as effective for them through 2020 and the first two-thirds of 2021 when – the Bills consistently took Singletary off the field and put uh, someone like Zach Moss, who, I mean, Zach Moss is sort of a, a discount version of Leonard Fournette. He can do everything, but 
everything poorly. He caught six passes last night. The Bills' backs are going to score some touchdowns, just like the Green Bay Packers' backs are going to score a lot of touchdowns, I would say. But even with James Cook not factoring in, he had the early fumble. He does look like he's third on the depth chart. Neither one of those backs are going to be plugged into FFPC starting lineups for week one. Obviously, teams have the option to do that or not. Does that kind of reinforce the risk that drafters are taking when they select both Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon so early? I think it does. I think I thought you were going to go and ask me what my thoughts on the Bills were, and then you've sprung it over to the, the Packers. But I do think that where they're going, it's going to be interesting. It's interesting that you done a grip piece that was up on Rotoviz immediately after the game, looking at where the players were, because we still have some of these drafts going on and, and how ADP would shift even with that one game. And it's going to be real fun this weekend to see how people's overreactions and I guess proper reactions and then underreactions to all the different things that happen occur. And obviously we won't have the ADP changing after that, but people's perceptions of how these players can be added into your lineups will change. I think both of those guys are going to have solid seasons, but I do think at the moment where they're being drafted is going to make it very difficult for both of them to have that massive upside. But I also think, and we're going to talk through some of the stuff we want to see, and when we talked with Blair Andrews, Earlier this week when he was on the show, we talked through some of the things about like the Chiefs backfield and the Chiefs wide receivers. But I think the Packers offense and how it works this week is going to be very interesting. Possibility that Alan Lazard misses out. That's going to lead to other people getting circulated into the mix. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how both the wide receivers and the running backs are used. Obviously, there was a thought process earlier this offseason that Aaron Jones could get used more in the receiving game. But I'm not as sure as some people maybe that that will happen. So I will see how that plays out. But you mentioned the Bills element. I think in terms of we would like to see more from Singletary in the receiving game, but how things kicked off in this game, not a huge workload, but I think we have to be confident in how the Bills used him. But not only that, but how things worked out for the other Bills running backs then when they had some of those opportunities in in terms of the Cook fumble, for example. And I don't think teams should just go away from players because they have fumbles, but we do see that time and time again. So that might just put a little less confidence behind james cook early in his career and it's very unfortunate for him i think it was his first carry that ended up being the fumble but i have to say i'm pretty positive based on the expectation going into week one versus what happened it hasn't dinged my you know aspirations for devin singularity to be the guy there so we'll see how that continues to work out but i think over the season he still establishes himself he is much better than zach moss i think he's going to do enough to to hold off james cook and i, I think he can be pretty heavily involved running back down the, the far side of the season but i'm pretty confident that may actually happen earlier in the season than than maybe we were truly thinking sean any other over or under reactions that you want to mention from the the piece that you did post on the website who did the thursday night football game affect the most somebody who this isn't like early season humble brags or victory laps but somebody who wasn't on my board this year was Alan Robinson didn't really go well for him but it is just one game the other player that people are reacting a lot to is Cam Akers versus Darrell Henderson obviously Akers come back from that injury any any big reactions that we need to make based on how it was or do you think it's still a case that it's a one-week sample size well I really felt like after that game that you would have to strongly consider taking Cooper Cup 101 the big question there was you know, would the offense be different? Would Allen Robinson bring a target 
share type of guy that would take cup down into that 17, 18, 19 points per game range. Now you can take that player clearly still in the first round. That's kind of what we're hoping for Stefan Diggs. And he's been very solidly in the first round, at least the, the one, two turn for much of the off season. This kind of dynamic can play out in a couple of ways. We often like for there to be a solid number two, at least, so that defenses can't use all of these gimmick coverages on the star. And yet that just hasn't been effective with Cooper Cup. And the fact that he can both get deep from time to time, the fact that he is a, an elite red zone threat, but then also you get a game like this where the offense is not explosive. He was not particularly explosive, but catches 13 passes, goes over 30 points again. I mean, you're going to have a really hard time matching that from Christian McCaffrey and Jonathan Taylor. The other concern is simply Matthew Stafford's elbow and what would happen to that offense if he were taken out. And I think that that concern still sort of remains, but we are through one game now. The other element, just if you're drafting in these two days, is that you get to put those points in and win in week one. I think that's a huge weapon for you, even though obviously if you draft Christian McCaffrey and Jonathan Taylor in the top couple spots, which I have been throughout the season, then, I mean, you are anticipating them opening up with a very good game as well. But you put those 30 points in, it's going to be difficult to beat you in week one Stafford looked bad, right? He made a, a bunch of very poor throws through an interception that, you know, perhaps in some ways is on the receiver, but it was nowhere close in terms of how the actual play worked out. I think the Rams do have a lot that they've got to get figured out. I expect them to get some of that figured out, at least. Allen Robinson, you know, after all of the raving they did about him, that he is going to be someone they work to fit into the game plan. And the problem is just that he doesn't separate. And so there's a, something of a limit to what you can do if the defense has him covered up. So I expect we're going to see different things from them. Cam Akers becomes actually a lot more interesting to me now, both as a very inexpensive dynasty trade target and maybe if he falls deep into the double-digit rounds. Colin, we'll be tracking this draft to see where he goes. I projected Henderson up into round seven, but as high as round four or five, he looked like he normally does last night, caught a bunch of passes. You'd love to see him get in the end zone, but we maybe are a little bit skeptical about the total upside there. If Akers falls you know, into round, say, 14, then he starts to have that same thesis behind him that so many of the guys in that range do. When he was active, he played a few snaps. It's not like it's somebody who is on IR and is going to just simply miss the first month of the season. Now, I mean, maybe it's a case where if he missed the first month of the season, you'd feel better about it because he would just be continuing to recover. But it underlines maybe the recklessness or the uh, recklessness is not the right word. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but it probably was a risk that they tried to bring him back so early last season. A risk that worked out in some ways since they're the Super Bowl champions, but obviously he was not a big contributor to that. Yeah, and we're about to be pretty close to being back on the clock. So the other player I was going to mention was Gabe Davis. You mentioned in your article that the previous ADP was 401, whereas where we will be picking, you've projected him to be 303 and then said you would take him from the 303. So we'll be picking a 312, 401. He is still somebody who's on the board, so that would make him into the conversation for us here. Mike Williams, another player that's in this range that we like to draft. And Jalen Waddle, somebody who's been sliding a little bit in drafts, but he looks to be healthy for week one. So they're all kind of in my range of players here. Mike Williams, after going off the board, 
who are you hoping here one pick away gets to is for this kind of mid-show draft interruption well i mean you'd have to want gabriel davis right i mean this is a guy who has already put up a big game he does go with the one pick so unfortunately i i don't understand him falling there i don't understand him behind michael pittman i don't understand him behind Cortland sutton definitely don't understand him behind mike evans don't understand it behind keenan allen i mean don't understand it behind aaron jones and joe mixon who goes in the first round but we have to make a couple picks not lament missing on someone who should have been drafted around earlier jalen waddle amon ross st brown jerry judy chris godwin rashad bateman one of the elements here when you have this late pick is that you do know that you're probably going to go wide receiver wide receiver you're not necessarily going to get a great value i'm on raw fell into the mid fifth in the draft i did yesterday yeah so i think waddle will be my first pick here is he okay for you for the first guy and then we'll discuss the second option yeah let's go ahead and lock him in yeah so the other options that are available somebody like a darn waller um don't because of pets uh, i know we can't go two tight ends in this but i'm not really looking to, to go that way unless it's something that you're you're heavily wanting to do it's a little bit tricky you're in that kind of reach zone here so it would be amon ross St. brown or deontay johnson probably at that point for me but you are stretching a little bit uh, to get those guys out of those two i'd probably go deontay how, how are you feeling here do you have any interest in taking travis Etienne? not particularly but if you're going to push it on me we we can do it i'd prefer to go wide receiver i think at receiver my option my preference would probably be bateman i don't think he gets back to this point too often let's do bateman because that's going to bring us into a another opportunity to talk week one is obviously he is somebody who generally is going a little bit later than that but sean i had said a few times to you that we would see if bateman got back to us in our drafts together and i don't think he has got back to us so that was one where guilt of previous drafts uh, overtook me there is a range here where I do like a lot of wide receivers, but there's a lot of those guys then that do not get back to you at the back end of that round. It was very disappointing there to just miss out on Gabriel Davis because I think that would have been a, a smash pick and, and I cl- had a clear preference to get Waddle then. So you mentioned Bateman, who we take. The Baltimore Ravens, obviously news coming out as we record this on Friday that they haven't been able to get a contract extension with Lamar Jackson, but Lamar Jackson will still be the, the quarterback, obviously, for the Ravens, and they get the Jets in week one. So something we're going to do throughout the show as well is kind of our thoughts on maybe some bold predictions, but also what we want to actually happen. Pretty prime matchup for the Ravens here in week one to, to get Bittman off to a pretty hot start and an offense where like we're in a situation now where Isaiah, Isaiah likely is likely the third pass catcher in this offense, so he should get as much work as he can handle. You would think, and he looked very, very good in preseason. He had a fantastic year in college from a production standpoint. Uh, often with tight ends, we're looking at the combination of age and athleticism because a lot of teams simply don't use their tight ends as high-volume receiving weapons in college, even the ones who project very well to the NFL, but likely somebody who does not have that red flag on his profile. He looks very much like a receiver. He doesn't have the elite athleticism of a Kyle Pitts or a Noah Fant or an Albert O, but someone who has that receiverish ability. And given what they're dealing with beyond Rashad Bateman, he could be involved right off the bat they have this game with the new york jets anyone listening and trying to figure out exactly how you want to play some of your dfs matchups 
some of your underdog drafts for the in-season contests, which are a lot of fun. Anyone looking to set their starting lineups for the FFPC and all of your home leagues. Dave Cabin has the wide receiver cornerback matchup article available. It's one of the coolest pieces we have. It's based on a ton of data from sports info solutions, all that charting information. And one of the things that I would always recommend to people is to look at the big picture. Don't lose the forest for the trees. You know, don't think that because a certain matchup has gone in a certain way in the past that it has to go that way in the future. You still want to play your stars. You still want to make your late round picks prove themselves, especially early on in the season. But when you're making some of these difficult and choice and close decisions, those tricky choices, make sure you use that info or at least read through it from a football perspective. If you like the football aspect, in addition to fantasy, which obviously a lot of listeners will, it, it's just crazy information that he's got in there. So check that out. We are excited for Ravens Jets. I'm excited for both sides of this game. Now that Joe Flacco is going to be the QB, I think that Garrett Wilson is playable right off the bat. That's one of the things that I'm looking to see in week one. One of the sort of a little bit below the radar questions for the Thursday night game was how would the third receiver position go for the Bills and how involved would Dawson Knox be? Now, this is one of the situations where I think you can end up overreacting and perhaps missing something. We know that McKenzie had been maybe not quite 100% in the days leading up to the game. He plays. He does score a seven-yard touchdown, but he's not targeted very often. One of those targets is a ball that he appears to have corralled, but then lets get out of his hands and turns into one of the bills for turnovers. Jamison Crowder, more targets. He also appeared to be... Not necessarily his fault. It was, it was not a great throw by Josh Allen. Josh Allen looked absolutely scintillating in the 2022 debut, but his pass over the middle to Crowder that was picked, probably his worst, worst throw. At the same time, uh, he probably wishes Crowder had made a little bit more aggressive play on that ball. I don't know that either one of them is going to be able to pull away there. It's still edged to McKenzie, but I think that the best case scenario for him is splitting number three types of targets with Dawson Knox, who wasn't involved and certainly falls down the board today. And then with as many targets as the running backs got, we don't necessarily expect that to continue, but uh, at this point, it doesn't look like McKenzie is really set up to have a Cole Beasley type of season. Again, that could be one that three weeks from now we're looking at the other way, but you take that and you talk about this intriguing Ravens-Jets game. The target volume for Rashad Bateman is going to be one of the main things that you're looking for. But then also on the Jets side, what are the route numbers for Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson, Corey Davis? How does Michael Carter factor in to the receiving game? I don't necessarily have to see... Garrett Wilson as involved, obviously, as you expect to see Elijah Moore, but you do want him to have at least, you know, 30 to 50% of the available routes, building a base that he can then jump very quickly into real playability from. If Davis has a, a 
very large route edge in week one, that would be a little bit of a red flag simply from the perspective of, I mean, Wilson looks like one of these guys who is massively undervalued. If he doesn't play a lot in week one, then that switches a little bit in the direction of where his ADP actually is. But since you're not drafting him to be a starter anyway, I would just keep taking him. Well, I mean, obviously won't be drafting next week, but even if he doesn't play as much as I'm hoping, I would still expect him to be very viable by the time the bye weeks roll around. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So Sean, we're back up here again. It has been a murderer's row in this draft. We mentioned we wouldn't mention the picks too much, but we took Bateman. After that, then, there was a period where Amon Ross St. Brown was the only pick at wide receiver in the next five picks. But then over the next kind of 12 picks or so, there was only three non-wide receiver picks in that time. So a real murderer's row of wide receiver drafters here. We talk about avalanches. I think we have got an avalanche. There's three teams that have started off with four wide receivers through five rounds. The one team, the two team, and the nine team. We have a team in six who has three wide receivers, two tight ends. So really pushing it so in this situation we were hoping that tj hawkinson might have made it to us he didn't he went one pick before our options at wide receiver are elijah moore Devonte smith and then drake london it feels like here even though again we will be taking a little bit of a reach on wide receiver there's some nice quarterback options here but it feels like we need to go wide receiver based on, on how this draft is going and, and how we want to structure this team who are you looking at here um Elijah Moore, Devontae Smith, Brant Nayuk. Do you feel we have to have to go and get ourselves two wide receivers here? Quarterback would be the other main option. You have the chance to put Lamar Jackson with Rashad Bateman. You have the big upside plays of Jalen Hurts, Kyler Murray. Murray, perhaps not really the choice right here after the news that Rondell Moore may be out for a while with a serious hamstring injury. Suddenly they're down to more or less Marquise Brown. AJ Green 
and possibly Trey McBride. We'll see if Zach Ertz. Trey McBride. We do, we do have a few Trey McBride shares, so we're, we're rooting for that. It could be that Zach Ertz does play in week one, and now with everybody else out, maybe Zach Ertz is the smash play that his drafters have been hoping for. If Hawkinson had gotten back, it would have been a difficult decision. I've seen him go in round three this week. So if you get him at the 5-12, you'd have to consider that. I do like the double tight end more in best ball than in managed for the FFPC. The tight end premium obviously makes them very viable flex options. And yet, if we can get those really high upside wide receivers, that would be my preference. One of the reasons, and it only affects obviously one spot, but one of the reasons that the value dries up a little bit faster here is that you don't have Cam Akers going. You don't have Allen Robinson going. Now, Robinson does go at the 606. I had projected him into the eighth round. I'm a little bit surprised by this, but again, there are going to be some drafters who bet against the week one outcome and win big as a result. And so just like you don't know going into the season which of your takes you'll be right on, you don't know which you'll be right on after week one. One of the things that we've tried to emphasize throughout the offseason is that the players will tell you who they are through their performance and that performance projects future performance much better than what the team is saying about a player, much better than routes run against air, much better than off-season puff pieces, right? The players who are good, who are young, who are athletic, who are coming off of big seasons, those are your targets to put together powerhouse teams. And that's the way that we like to do it. But there are going to always be exceptions, both directions. You're going to have some young players who are ascending, who miss for whatever reason. You're going to have some older bounce back candidates who do bounce back. And anybody who thinks that they know exactly who all of those players are going to be every season, I mean, you probably want to run from that analysis. It doesn't mean that they can't be right on some certain plays. We just want to have the humility to realize that even if we think Allen Robinson after a down week one, should maybe go a little bit later. I mean, Adam Thielen goes a few picks after. Adam Thielen has been good and would seem to be in a better situation. So personally, even though I'm not on Thielen, they seem to be similar types of theories, theory of the player. And Thielen could still be an option in week one. He could go out there and have a 15-touchdown season. But, you know, maybe Allen Robinson could have a 15-touchdown season. We'd look at the game, even with how bad it was for him, we would look at it a little bit differently if he had somehow been able to go up and make a touchdown reception on the final play. So, so that's going to get us Sean to uh, we we t- we touched on the Jets because we obviously we love stacking Jets games obviously and that's where the the Ravens are. So we kind of have hit on the Elijah Moore side, Devontae Smith, then in the Eagles. We, we have been we've we've conversed this quite a bit over the offseason. I'm sure it's no surprise to our listening audience that he is somebody that we went with there. Um, so do we need to talk about what we want him to do in week one? We just want him to go out there and, and smash. We want to see a, a pass-heavy uh, Eagles approach to the start of the season. Uh, we may not get that, but if we if we see an increase in the volume that they are, the rate that they are passing at, I think would be a, a really good signal for us to see after week one. It would be. And I think we're going to get that. I think this Jets team is going to be a lot of fun. They appear to be 
creating some space to go with Joe Flacco. And Joe Flacco is not a top 20 quarterback. He may not be a top 30 quarterback, but there are so many weapons around him that if you're a Jets fan, I think you've got to be eagerly anticipating this first game. Now, we passed on Drake London in part because we have Kyle Pitts. I'm okay putting the two of them together. It is a little bit frustrating because he falls all the way through the sixth round to the 612. That gives the Christian McCaffrey drafter now AJ Brown, T. Higgins, Jerry Judy, Chris Godwin, Drake London. I mean, it's an advantage to draft out of the 101. It's an advantage that you and I have had some. And all you can do is, is draft the best that you can. I had a draft yesterday that was almost the complete inverse of this, where I was drafting out of the 101, building this type of path that we're seeing from this drafter, whereas there was another participant at the 108, 109 range who had drafted almost the identical team that you and I have built so far. So no, we'll see about the nuance that carries one team over the other, or in the most likely scenario, even though those are the two teams out of the 10 that jump out to us, Obviously, we're drafting players we like, so it should jump out to us. And then a team out of the 101, probably the actual winner will come from somewhere else in both of these two drafts. But that symmetry is interesting. Colin, before we get any further, I just wanted to thank everyone who participated in the contest. I am drafting a couple of FBG teams with listeners. We had hundreds of entries when you combine all of the different ways that people signed up. We obviously had a really hilarious parody video. We had letters to the New York Post. We had lots of great ratings and reviews on the podcast tools. We had comments on YouTube. We had some really cool retweets that talked about the podcast, that talked about the tools on the site, the roster construction explorers, and all of those different elements it was so cool to see everybody reach out. And because of that, we did want to give a handful of additional prizes. We drew five more winners for the consolation prize of getting a one month subscription to Rotoviz. That'll either be added on to your current subscription. We know some of these uh, winners are subscribers. And if you're not, then it will be a brand new one month subscription to you. And hopefully we can retain you as a reader. So the five, and we tried to make sure that we drew plenty of these from all different types of entries that you could have. Paul wrote the fun letter to the post. He is one of the winners. We have Tractastic with a really cool uh, retweet talking about the podcast. We have DBK, multiple entries across the various portions of it. Chandler Wagner also uh, both on social media in the readings and reviews. He's somebody who interacts with Colum frequently, one of our absolute favorites. And then Antonio Gibson, truther again, someone who had entries across all of the different areas. Those five listeners, just make sure that Colum has your email so that we can get you those subscriptions. And again, thank you to everyone who entered. I, I mean, immediately after it happened, I wanted to just draft with everybody because I love drafting and I love meeting new people. These drafts have been so much fun. It's really only logistics that made it impossible to do that. But we'll probably do this contest again in the future. Hopefully, one of the two teams that I am drafting here, uh, mostly because the listeners make such great selections, 
hopefully we'll win the half a million dollars. But thank you again to everyone who entered. Really appreciate just the, the various sentiments. And number one, we hope that 2022 is a good season for everybody. And we can't wait for, for week one. Good luck in all of your fantasy matchups as we go forward. Yeah, and the, I have to say the contest, we were blown away by it. It was the, the biggest contest we've ever run in terms of entries. And we are talking about potentially having a little bit of a fun show with some of the, the best bets. But the uh, yeah amazing entries, Sean, to that contest. Thanks for everyone who took part. But we are now two picks away from our next selection. It's been an interesting round. Not as bad, but I was hoping that maybe Brant Nayuk may have slipped back or one of the quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, all go off the board at the same time. Sean, who are some of your preferences here? I haven't added them to the queue, but Joe Burrow is somebody who would be available in this range. But we are getting into the zero RB range. Wide receiver-wise, we're into the Tennessee wide receivers and, and Woods and Burks and Kadarius Tony might be in this range. And if we wanted to push down a little bit further for quarterback, Trey Lance would be in that zone. How are you feeling here with the options that are available? And then who would you like to go and take at this point if they make it to us? Colin, looking at the selections or potential selections there, Joe Burrow, Trey Lance, as you said, I have quite a bit of Burrow on my Bengals-oriented teams. We don't have one of the young Bengals receivers on this roster, so I'm okay kind of pushing that value at quarterback. This draft, because it's so wide receiver heavy and because we're at the 112, where there just simply isn't going to be as much value coming back to us, big picture, Overall, I think that we have to push the QB selection and really try and load up at some of these other positions. This is a good draft to potentially grab Justin Fields late, maybe take an Aaron Rodgers late, something like that to give ourselves QB upside, but to not burn a pick here. The options that we have, mostly rookies, right? We have Traylon Burks. George Pickens, Sky Moore. You can also throw Kadarius Tony in there. He has a chance to create a ton of volume for himself in this Giants offense that we expect to both trail and to not really feature any elite veterans. And at the same time, his track record of health is among the worst in football. And Wondell Robinson, a cheaper way to play this. So I think it probably boils down to Rashad Penny, the one clear upside pick at running back in a player who... I mean, frankly, if you played on almost any other NFL team, would be a fourth-round pick. Or going with a couple of these rookie wide receivers, one of the reasons that I would probably opt to split these picks is that the only real values now that exist at receiver probably come from that Garrett Wilson, Romeo Dobbs group. Now, we already have Elijah Moore, but within the context of this particular draft, taking both of those guys, and I think playing both of those guys in some weeks is still going to be a viable option. Yeah, I think that for me, wide receiver-wise, um, I, I, I would like to go Burks if we do. Um, we've talked about <laughs> we've talked about Robert Woods a few times, Sean. This could be a chance to take Robert Woods, but I, I think just the upside play here for me is definitely going with the rookie and Burks. And it is an area where it's tempting to go with the the quarterbacks but again seeing how this draft has played out so far i think getting that additional wide receiver on the roster would be the way to play it and i do think when we look here at the running backs that are available at this portion darrell henderson just went one pick before then we had josh jacobs a couple of picks before that miles sanders has uh gone off the board so i think we're into a range here where 
for me, the clear upside at wide receiver belongs to Rashad Penny, particularly the way the early point of the season could play out here with Walker not being available. And then we could be into a situation where he's off to the races. I think the Seahawks are going to be better than people expect. And I still think they're going to be bad, but I still think they're going to be better. And I think that they're going to put up enough fantasy points. But I think a big part of that is going to be done through the running backs as well. So, yeah, I think I would like to go here with uh, Burks and Penny. So, so far that will leave us with Saquon Barkley, Kyle Pitts, Jalen Waddle, Rashad Bateman, Elijah Moore, Devontae Smith, Traylon Burks, Rashad Penny. So a lot of youth through those wide receivers and the tight end. I'm starting, Sean, to be a little bit more positive than I was early in the draft. I know it has to be a case where we let it play out and, and see how it goes, but we were getting really, the tap was getting firmly shut off in rounds three and four. We did reach a little bit to get Bateman. Then we did similar to get Elijah Moore and Devontae Smith, but I think that's really going to help how we look here at the end. And I, I do think that the penny pick helps us, uh, you know, because we probably will have to take some additional shots here at wide receiver as the draft plays on. But yeah, it's it's been pretty fun through eight rounds, even though it has been slightly stressful at times. How are you feeling at this point of the draft before we get back into what we need to happen in week one? Do you want to make a, a prediction of when Trillon Burks, you know, when the overreaction happens to him? Is it going to be, we were right all along that he can't run more than two routes without being out of breath? Or is it going to be that this guy is just an absolute NFL superstar? I think he's going to be a good NFL player. I don't know, superstar. You Go can see that this. Old you can see that this Titans team is going to be built around him and Derrick Henry, right? And the great thing about selecting the young players, especially when you're selecting them as your wide receiver five, wide receiver six, wide receiver seven, is that they can do things for your roster that you need later on in the season. There is not as much pressure for them to have that big week one as there are for all of these veterans. If you have a veteran who has switched teams, if you have a veteran who now has a worse quarterback situation, like for the Seahawks, what's going to happen with DK Metcalf? What's going to happen with Tyler Lockett? Those two players have been similar enough in a scoring perspective that the vast gap now, we've been much higher on DK Metcalf than Tyler Lockett. We think that he's going to be a better fit with what they do with Geno Smith. And yet the huge gap between these two players, maybe that, doesn't make sense. The incredible discount that you get on Noah Fant, maybe that doesn't make sense. I have a decent number of shares of DK Metcalf, but I do think that probably the way to play that offense is just simply through Rashad Penny, Kenneth Walker, and then Fant. But in the situations where you need to be right immediately, that makes week one pretty stressful. In the situations where if you hit in week one, then all of a sudden you're already starting to count your, your money at the end of the season. That feels great, but you want to kind of put together a team where you can relax through week one and know that because of the youth, these guys are most likely to evolve in a positive direction and you don't have to throw away all of your teams because you picked a very specific path that had to come through right from the beginning. I like this team that we built. One of the things that can be tricky in a wide receiver avalanche draft is that you start to see some other positions and you're thinking, okay, well, we'll take those values and we'll get back to wide receiver. But once you get back to wide receiver, now you put yourself in a position where those players actually do have to pan out right away. And the stress then in week one becomes pretty high. You look at this team that we have drafted with Bateman, Moore, Devontae Smith, and Traylon Burks. Yeah, all of those guys are well above ADP, 
but they're still very much in the range that they should be going, right? ADP has vastly undervalued them throughout the offseason. When you get a draft like this that is a little bit more accurate, you can't look at them and say, oh, well, I'm not going to get a good ADP value, so I'm going to switch to a lesser player. If you look at my rankings, you're going to see them. These guys should have been going here all along. You don't want to get pushed off by thinking about other teams that you have had because the fact of the matter is still that if Waddle and Bateman and Smith and Burks hit, then you're going to win. The fact that you drafted them around earlier than you would have otherwise doesn't really make a difference because you're going to be able to pick someone else that you like in that pick that's freed up later. And so you just have to make the best selections and build the best team that you can all the way through. Yeah, no, I would I would very much agree with that. The other thing I was going to ask is, so far we have made it selections. Who is the player heading into week one now that you want to see the most out of? Obviously, it's going to be easier for us to say our first and second picks and Saquon Barkley and Kyle Pitts. But for me, the one that I really am most interested in is just seeing how Barkley looks in 2022. How ex- is that explosiveness there? How has he been used in the offense? I think... I, I don't really have any questions around how much work he's going to get, but it's more so has he still got that burst and, and how does he look health-wise and physically? Is it Barkley for you as well, or is it somebody else? Well, since it's Barkley for you, and we talked about what we wanted to see, what things were going to be focuses for week one. Do you have a bold prediction to go with that as well? We've taken him you know, as high as the 107, 108 type of range, and to me, he looks like the RB3. There's some projection there because, again, we're jumping back in time and trying to take one of his earlier career seasons and say he's still that guy. It's tricky to tell because last season, the thing that really kept him from being able to demonstrate it was not the serious injury he had, but the ankle injury that robbed him of the ability to play for a long time and then to show the explosiveness at the end of the season. Obviously, he was in a bad offense that's going to make it hard for anybody to show what they can do. I think that I like him. As the third running back, I think he's going to score 19 points per game. So you're doing a bold prediction for the season. I'll settle for 19 points a game. I think this week I would be very happy if we see him get, I'll say, six receptions and 100, I'd say 115-plus scrimmage yards and a touchdown. I'd probably settle for that in week one to let me know that he's back. We haven't seen that for quite some time from Barkley, so I don't want to go all out and say, you know, 200 scrimmage yards and, and two touchdowns, but... I think if we get the receptions from him, we get uh, over 100 yards and we get the, the touchdown in there as well. I think we'll be pretty happy with his start for the season. Do you think that's overly optimistic or do you think that's what we should be looking at based on where we've drafted him? I think we need to look for a big game, especially when they don't have really anybody else on their team. It's got to focus around him, and I think that it will. Come the player I'm the most excited to see from this group is Devontae Smith because if any team brings intrigue in week one it is the philadelphia eagles they bring aj brown over there have been all of these reports in the last week and i think following up on a very good month of camp good play in the preseason that jalen hurts is improving in every way as a quarterback that his ability to read the defense has improved that his accuracy has improved we know he has the ability to attack down the field if he takes another step as an nfl quarterback this could be his josh allen emergence type of year and we just watched last night as josh allen eviscerated a good rams defense despite the four turnovers they put up 31 points 
except for those plays where they did make the big turnover mistakes, they looked absolutely unstoppable. I want to see this Philadelphia Eagles team take that step, look like a juggernaut, and I want the receivers, Brown, Smith, and Goddard, to be involved. Devontae Smith, what his role is in week one, if he can be that Gabe Davis-type complement, I mean, he's quite a bit less expensive than Davis at this point. And you know, has a, a better overall background. So I mean, obviously it's a very different thesis because we expect the Bills to throw a huge number of passes. We don't have that expectation for the Eagles, but if that expectation is thwarted, then Devontae Smith becomes such an exciting player. This Eagles game, I can't wait for. So Sean, we are back up. We're on a, a run here. We did take Rashad Penny, but after the pick of Saquon Barkley and Kyle Pitts, we've been hammering out the wide receiver position. We could potentially continue to do that. Somebody, you know, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, maybe the, the next quarterbacks up here. I was hoping that Trey Lance may have got one more pick. He went one pick before us. I thought that would have been a very interesting selection. Just as we're talking, uh, I do think that I would probably lean in here to the wide receivers Cole Komet another option that could be interesting but he does have the same bye week as Kyle Pitts would Komet be somebody to interest you and any concerns around both of them having the same bye week although it is not until week 14. Yeah we're probably going to draft a third tight end we'll probably make some tight end additions late late in the draft and then continue to address that with the 20th roster spot as we move throughout the season again because of the tight end premium you want to not only have that firepower for yourself but block your opponents commit is way below adp at this point i'm pretty enthusiastic about the chicago bears right now we're kind of looking at justin fields as hopefully our quarterback it would be interesting to have those two guys together i think that the volume for commit is going to be much higher in doing these sort of co-managed drafts i think it was uh, michael hitchcock one of our writers that i drafted the other day he was talking about actually cut that i'm not sure who it was if you could note that um cole Komet, one of the tight ends who could very easily benefit from the premium element there are still question marks about the bears offense and whether or not they will score enough touchdowns for him to be a good touchdown play which is something that we do want at least intermittently from the tight end position but commit i think the best bet to lead the position in receptions after you get out of definitely the first four rounds but i think that you could even make that case once kelsey pitts and mark andrews are gone so from that perspective i like it it would be great to block some of our opponents but you made the pitch to me for the upside and the depth of the receivers we do have two guys that we like here in a draft that's been fairly wide receiver heavy for sky Moore to fall all the way to us at the 9 12 i don't think we can pass that up and then romeo dobbs not going to come back to us garrett wilson would have been my selection if we didn't have elijah moore i don't mind having those guys on the same team i have one of the two in about 60 percent of my teams this year but that would be the tiebreaker for me i don't think that Dobbs ultimate storyline is going to depend on Christian Watson and how healthy and how fast he develops. I don't think it's necessarily going to depend on Alan Lazard and whether or not Lazard is healthy for week one. I think it's going to depend on him and how 
well he could execute their offense. We know that Aaron Rodgers is not going to put up with bad routes. He's not going to put up with too many drop passes. But that can be good, right? I think that if your thesis revolves around other players on the team getting hurt or not being good enough, then you end up making some fundamental mistakes. If your thesis is that Dobbs has done enough to show us what he is or what he has the upside to be already, then I think that's fantastic because we're betting on something that is intrinsic to him, which is this talent skill profile that we expect to manifest. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. At this price, I definitely like the risk. It's going to be difficult for a rookie to execute, but I just think, again, the upside for the Packers this season comes from developing their rookie wide receivers. They have so much potential talent there. I really like that play. We know that Aaron Rodgers can turn you know, a, a veteran journeyman into a wide receiver too. That's one of the bets that people are making on Lazard. When he has an actual star at his disposal, you get a lot of fantasy points. Yeah, so we do go there with Skymore, Romeo, Dube. So at this point now, we have two running backs, one tight end, and we are loading up with seven wide receivers. Sean, I have a question for you about the rookies and the youth of this team, because we love youth, but I have an interesting question. But we're going to save that for part two of this draft. We're going to get both of these out before the game starts on Arkansas Sunday. Come back, listen to the second portion. We will be running through the rest of our picks here. That is going to do it for this edition. If you are signing up for Rotoviz, you can use the code RVRADIO2022 at checkout to save yourself 10% of a Rotoviz NFL pass. If Sean called out your entry into the contest a short time ago, make sure you get in touch with me. You can get in touch at Twitter at OverTimeIreland, or you can email across at OverTimeIreland at gmail.com. You can check out all of Sean's work up on rotoviz.com. Best of luck this weekend. If you don't get a chance to hear part two, Hope all your teams get off to a fast start this season. And until we are back, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime and Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. <laughs>